All right. Well, last week we had a really cool treat. Good friends of ours came out, Tyler and Cassie Etter, and uh, Tyler shared on how to be satisfied. That was, that was good. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that message about once a month. You know, that man, because sometimes I can just start to find myself in a place of comparison, feeling like I don't have enough, and I start to feel this, you know, bit of anxiety, and just to be reminded to keep my eyes completely fixed on the Lord, and to be reminded, He's already blessed me. I am blessed. He's already given to me. I, you know, what more do I need outside of who God is and what he's provided. And so I was blessed. How about you guys? Were you guys blessed by them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll be back, as, you, as I mentioned before, that I'm going to be volunteering with the children's ministry in a couple of weeks. And so they'll be back to share again. And uh, by the way, if you're interested in volunteering with children's ministry, just a little plug there. Got lots of opportunities. Um, and so thank you for those of, of you that stepped up. Um, also, uh, we've been continuing or concluding our series called Challenged. I don't know about you, but when I get to the beginning of every year, or I'm closing out one year, going to the next, I'm one of those people that likes to set goals. I like to have these, you know, uh, this year I'm going to do, and there are always these big, huge goals. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to accomplish so much. I'm always going to get so much done. And then I turn this corner, like January comes, February comes, and all of a sudden, I'm not on track with my goals like I thought I would be. And all of a sudden, I come up against challenges. I come up against stuff. Things that kind of trip me up, mess me up, and I fall short of my goals. Anybody here have that same issue or it's just me? Okay. We've got some honesty here. Yeah, we all come up against challenges. And a few weeks ago, I talked about how one of the challenges that we have, we, we come up against is the confusion that sets in in our own mind. Sometimes we come up against something. We don't know what decision to make. We lack clarity. Sometimes confusion gets, gets the better of us. And we're not sure how to respond or make wise decisions. Another thing that we come up against is anxiety. We come up against things and we kind of freak out. We fear. We're stressed. And sometimes we make mountains out of molehills. Come up against something. And the biggest issue is not the issue. The biggest issue is the issue inside of us. Right? And so we start to anxiety. We have anxiety. We don't even, even step out on the field. We start to forfeit. And then I also talked about sometimes we actually come up against a giant. Right? Like David stood up against Goliath. And he had to step out in courage and bravery. And he didn't come out in all the strength and all his own accolades. But he stood against the giant in the name of the Lord. And he had courage. He had bravery because he knew who he worshipped. He knew he was standing as an ambassador for the God of heaven and the God of, of earth. And the cool part of that story is he slayed his giant. This week I wanted to talk about something and it comes to a challenge that many of us have faced or maybe some of us here are facing is when we come up against a challenge that kind of has its grip on us already. Like, pastor, it's not really a giant I can fight. It's not really a giant I can even run from. It's as if this thing has already sort of gotten a hold of me. Like, I feel a, a bit like I'm already imprisoned. I feel a, a little bit like I'm already stuck. I feel a little bit like I'm already enslaved. What happens? What do I do when I'm already in a place where I'm just not able to escape? 
And I don't know about you, but I love escape stories. I love, I love movies. I love shows about people breaking out of prison. I just think they're so clever, you know? Of course, it's always good when it's like a long time ago and it's not threatening us, you know, currently, you know? But, but when, I hear, when, I, when I read about stories about people like, you know, breaking out of prison or, or I, my favorite is those National Geographics, you know, when there's like this really beastly lion and it's like chasing after like an innocent little, you know, wildebeest or bunny or something. And I'm going, go, run, get out of there, escape. And when they escape, I just go, yeah. It's kind of my my boys are like, Dad, you're so weird. But I'm like, he won, you know, and they're with me. Yeah. I love escape stories. And I believe that there's some of us here in our own lives or people that we know that we need, a, we need an escape story. There's some folks that might be here that, that, that might say, you know what, I'm, I'm enslaved by something. I'm, I'm enslaved by some circumstance. I, I've got some situation that's gotten, gotten a hold of me and I don't exactly know what it is. It could be you know, a lifestyle or some type of uh, addiction or, or something, but we say certain words such as, or certain phrases such as, this thing has a grip on me. Or I, I just, I feel stuck. Or I, I, I feel like I'm a slave. Or maybe I feel trapped, or I'm in prison, or I'm a prisoner, I just can't get out of this situation. Have you ever said something like that? Or heard somebody in your close sphere of, sphere of influence who's said those types of things? Man, my heart really goes out to feed people, and I have a lot of compassion for, for folks that feel as if they're in a place that they just can't get out of. And so my goal this morning is that if you've said that, or if you are relating to this type of, uh, of, of, of issue, this type of gripping, this type of imprisonment, my goal this morning is that you would leave here with hope, and that you would leave with a plan. That if you came in here feeling completely stuck, completely imprisoned, completely trapped, you would walk out of here realizing that God has completely set you free. And that you have an opportunity outside of this. That you don't have to stay in a place of stuck, uh, a place of imprisonment. Because I have to tell you this, this is good news. Imprisonment is not God's heart. That is not God's heart for you. The good news is that God's heart for us is that we would not be enslaved, that we would not be stuck, that we'd not be desperate. And therefore... If there's a disconnect between God's plan for our lives, which is freedom, but the reality of our life that we're living is imprisonment, then we have to realize that we, there is a disconnect between God's plan and our reality. There's a disconnect between God's plan and your reality if you are in a place of imprisonment, feeling stuck, and you don't have a way out. God has called us to be free. God has called us to be free. But if we're feeling trapped, then we have to figure out why there's this disconnect and walk in freedom. See, this, this feeling of imprisonment is probably more common than we think. It's more common than we realize that there's people that are out there in our midst that are feeling like there's this, this endless struggle, this endless vice. And I believe that if I gave opportunities for each one of us to share about a time in their life where they felt stuck, trapped, in prison, I believe that we could probably be here all day. People telling story after story about either a time or maybe something currently that's happening that's causing them to feel like they're stuck or something has a grip on them. The question is why? 
I mean, we're Christians. We're Christ followers. We believe that God has a plan for us. How have we gotten to this place of imprisonment and feeling trapped? Well, I want to quote my good friend and someone that I respect very much, Dick Dew. He said this, This world is filled with so many traps. Dick's a wise man, right? This world is filled with... You don't even remember saying that, do you, Dick? See, that's what happens, you know. I just go around, I write down notes. You know, people, I'm around smart people, I just take notes, you know. But isn't it true, Dick, this world is filled with so many traps? Absolutely. There's common slavery examples that each one of us may have experienced. Maybe we've seen other people experience. Here's a couple examples for you. Some personal imprisonment, things like addiction. People get hooked on something and they just can't get themselves out of it. Or maybe, maybe you wouldn't even call it an addiction or even some type of substance per se, but maybe there's a certain lifestyle or a continual behavior that you just can't seem to break. Perhaps there's a habit. Perhaps there's a lie that you believe. Perhaps it's gripping or a gripping fear that you just continues to bind you. Some of these stories or experience, uh, these personal uh, imprisonment ex- examples, they're things that we have put ourselves in and we just can't get ourselves out of. And for others, sometimes we have walked into a trap and now someone else has the key. I've walked into a situation and somebody else is, is keeping me in bondage. Someone is, is keeping me down imprisoned. Something like some of us have gotten into debt. I walked into debt and now somebody else has the key. I can't just sort of un, undebt myself. That person has me now in bondage. Some of us are in a relationship where you've lost your say. Have you ever been in a relationship where that person has all the say and you have no say? Oh. Man, I've been in that, that type of situation before. And you all, you all of a sudden become subject to someone's control, someone's authority as in a way that they're kind of like you're a slave to them. And for some of us, we have this external prison where uh, we, have, we had no clue. We kind of got tricked and something in, in the circumstance may have changed. We were put in a situation outside of our control that caused us to have a controlling situation. And there's an abusive relationship that has developed and we're completely trapped, imprisoned by somebody or something. Now, I'm not sure what has gotten you or some of us in this place of imprisonment. And I'm not sure it really matters how we got into it. The question is, how do we get out? How do we get set free? Well, here's some common things that we think that are completely not helpful. Here's some things that we think that kind of don't help in any way. Number one, that we tend to, when we get into a place of imprisonment, we start beating ourselves up over it. Right? We're in a place of imprisonment and we take response. Oh, I shouldn't have done it. We start kicking ourselves. Even, even calling, our, calling ourselves names, right? Oh, you stupid. You dummy. Why'd you do that? Or we just, we, 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 we call ourselves dumb, but we, and we forget even how we got into the situation. And when we think about how, how it happened, but all we can do is sort of beat ourselves up a little bit. Something else that we tend to do is we will constantly replay in our head how we got into this situation, what we should have done differently. 
If I would have played my cards differently, if I would have responded differently, then I just wouldn't have ended up in this situation. I wouldn't have gotten myself into this mess. I should have done this or I should have done that and I wouldn't be here. Or sometimes the thought process of just giving up. Just defeated mentally. I'm here, I'm stuck, I'm never getting out of it. We think, there's, we think that there's no end in sight when we get into these types of situations. Now, even though all of these thought processes are common, they're not helpful. These thought processes are not going to help us to get out of the prison that we're in, out of the vice that we're under. These are not helpful. It just prevents the possibilities and it prevents the potential and the progress that we can make to walk towards freedom. So you have to, you have to kill those thought processes. I like this book. Well, actually, I, sh- I haven't read the book. I just like the title of the book. You ever see a title? It's like, that looks like a good book. <laughs> but you feel like just the title impacted you enough. You're just like, it's good enough. <laughs> This book was called Girl, Wash Your Face. Anybody seen that somewhere? You can see why I probably didn't jump to buy it, you know, because I just, I just didn't feel like it was for me. But I still, I, I was still, uh, I guess, I don't, I, impa- uh, um, impacted by it because, and, and I've never read the book, so I have no idea what's inside of it. So I'm not, you know, necessarily saying that you should go and, you should go and buy it. But it gives me the impression that sometimes we have a tendency just to sit and feel sorry for ourselves. I'm in a place where I'm stuck, I'm in prison and this, and I just sort of, all I can do is just sit and just feel sorry and see myself as a victim. But this idea of, girl, wash your face, means feeling sorry for yourself and feeling like a victim and just sitting there is not going to get anything done. But just getting up and taking a step to just wash your face. And, and, and I love your giggle at me. This is harder for you to imagine me liking this book, right? You know, it's like, it's common for ourselves to see no way out of a situation. And so we just sit there and we just find ourselves just stuck in our emotions. But I like that step. Go wash your face. Sometimes I feel sorry for myself too. Sometimes I feel like a victim. I need to just go take a shower, you know? Sometimes I just need to do something small to improve my situation and to upgrade my outlook just a little bit. Even if I feel like this situation I can't get out of, if I can just upgrade my outlook, if I can just take a small step. Because though it may be true that we may be trapped... We ain't dead. Got that? You might be trapped, but you ain't dead. So that means there's still possibility. There's still potential here. Or it may be true that some of us are in some type of prison, but we're not defeated yet. That happens in our mind when we just sit there and we just feel sorry for ourselves and we just find ourselves putting ourselves a, putting a mantle of victim, being a victim on ourselves. Now, no matter, no matter what the situation or scenario that we are in, and no matter how bleak it might look, there is hope. There is hope. Because we serve a God that has a plan for freedom. God has a plan for freedom. I may not be able to see my way out. I may not be able to see the potential in this situation. But we serve a God that sets his people free. 
He sets people free. No matter what you got going on, no matter what vice, imprisonment, whatever's happening, he sets his people free. And I don't know about you, but that just gives me hope. That motivates me to go wash my face, amen? I have felt, there's several different stories that have come up in my own mind when it comes to times when I felt like I was in personal imprisonment. But one of the times was when I got into debt. I got into debt from college, I got it and, and, and it just kind of stayed with me. And I moved to Hawaii, and let's just say it's not very cheap there to live. And so, long story short, I was in debt. And I know that debt is common, but that does not mean that debt is God's calling for our life. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. You see, I got tricked. I got duped. You see, at first, debt seems like it's a way of freedom. I have this thing that I want. I can't get that thing that I want. And then someone's willing to loan me some money. And all of a sudden, I can get that thing I want. It's freedom for a moment, but then it becomes false freedom. It's a trap. It's a trick. At first, I thought it was freedom, but the next thing I know, it was catching up to me. And they were sending me nice, friendly notes in the mail. And what they were asking for just kept increasing and increasing. And then I was completely in a place where I was stuck because I was a slave to the owner. I was a borrower and I was slave to the lender. I've also had relationships and I've had friends that have taken advantage of me. I've had people in my life that were very controlling. I've even experienced people being a bit abusive. And you're thinking like, to you, pastor? No. Yeah, I've had people that try to take advantage. Why? Because there's people out there that do that. And I'm a nice guy. I just am. And so people are out there that will sometimes try to take advantage. I've been, been, been in environments where I could see no way out and I found myself completely, feeling completely stuck. I've been in work situations where I just felt like, oh, there's no way out of this work situation. If I quit, I'm going to be you know, broke and poor and homeless. But I, you know, I'm stuck in a situation that's not healthy for me. Perhaps you relate. Maybe there's, there's a situation in your life that feels like, man, I'm kind of stuck here. And so how do we move forward? How do we get out? We have to start with this. Number one is that the Lord's heart is for freedom. That's the Lord's heart for us. He wants to see us in freedom, completely free. Isaiah 61.1 says this, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. The Spirit of the Lord, God's heart, is for us to experience freedom, to set the captives free, to break down the walls that bind us, for the prisoners to be uncuffed, unchained, to walk free, according to call that, the calling that God's ha- God has for us. The Lord's heart is that we experience freedom. The Lord's plan is release. The Lord's plan is for us to be unviced, un, uh, to be set free. Now, I believe that this is physical. 
There could be a physical imprisonment that some of you are experiencing. I believe it's also emotional. There could be emotional imprisonment. I believe it's mental. I believe it's spiritual. I believe it's financial. I think that some of you need to hear that this morning because maybe in your life you feel like there's an imprisonment that maybe God doesn't touch. He just doesn't touch this area of imprisonment, but I don't believe that. I believe that he sets us free physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially. All those things that could potentially bind us, the Lord sets us free. The story goes on where Jesus actually stands up and he reads this verse from Isaiah. And he says this, that through him, through Jesus, this promise would be fulfilled. That means that Jesus' role, his assignment, his calling was for the release and for our freedom. Whatever prison we are in, Jesus has authority over it. Whatever prison that you are in, Jesus has authority over it. Let me say that one more time. Whatever prison you are in, Jesus has authority over it. Claim that. Claim that. And he has come to not visit us in prison. He has come to set us free. Isn't that good news to know? You're in prison. Guess who shows up? Jesus. And he's there to set you free. That's good news. Freedom starts with the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Where he is, there is freedom. I don't know about you, but if I want freedom, I know who I should be with. I know who I should hang out with. I should be following and being in the presence of Jesus because where Jesus is, there is freedom. How does Jesus set us free? Just with his presence. With his presence. It's like Jesus can't be bound, so be in the presence of Jesus so that you can't be bound. So when we're in a trap, we require someone to set us free. And that's sometimes the biggest problem. We'd be trying to set our own selves free. But we cannot. Someone has to unlock the prison door. Someone has to break the vice that is binding. If we can get out of our own selves, realize I can't do it myself, but I know who can. Jesus can. That was the role of Jesus here on earth, was to set us free. Jesus sets us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus' presence means release. Yeah, so it's almost like as if there's, uh, what do you call it? Something doesn't connect. Hypocrisy, thank you. Okay, sorry. That was the Lord helping me out there. Okay. It means there's a hypocrisy if we're in the presence of the Lord and we're in a relationship with Jesus and we're close to, close to Jesus and there's a hypocrisy if we're in a place of imprisonment. There's a, play, there's, a, there's a hypocrisy there. And so the question is, is that if we are experiencing his presence, the question is, is are we ushering in his presence? Are we acknowledging his presence? So I guess what I'm saying is that, yes, you can be a believer in Jesus. You can even call yourself a Christian. But that doesn't mean that you're experiencing his presence. It doesn't mean that you're living in his presence. It doesn't mean that you're ushering in his presence. You can, walk, you can be in a situation, you got to ask yourselves, when was the last time that I asked Jesus' presence in this place of imprisonment that I'm experiencing? Now, I like this too, or sometimes like, 
sometimes I don't even know what to pray. I feel like I'm a victim. I'm sitting there on the couch. I'm still crying. I have not washed my face yet. And I need to ask somebody to join with me in helping to usher the presence of the Spirit. I need to ask somebody, could you pray with me? I feel imprisoned. You know what's hard about that? Humiliation. Our pride gets in the way. Man, I wish I could just remove pride and humility, the, feeling, the, the fear of humiliation out of everyone's mind here. I feel like we could walk in so much more freedom if we could just call somebody and say, would you pray with me? I need to usher Jesus' presence in this situation because it feels like I got a vice. I can't walk free from it. Also, this is amazing. The Lord, when he sets us free, he sets us free with surety. Is that a word, surety? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about though, right? It is good. John 8, 36. Son, oh, so, I'm sorry. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free. You will be free indeed. That means that this, the, Jesus doesn't kind of like set us halfway free. He doesn't set us free temporarily, but he sets us free indeed. Like all the way free. Like forever free. Not momentarily or hypothetically. Instead, for surety. Is that a word? For surety? No? Okay, yes, I like that. You know what I'm talking about? It's for sure. When the Lord sets us free, he sets us free for sure. For indeed. It's not halfway, half-hearted. He wants to see us free all the way. There's many stories about people who have been imprisoned and modern stories of people who have been imprisoned and It was a powerful story about how Jesus, how the Lord brought freedom in their life. And um, one of the modern stories that I'd like to share share with you is the story of St. Patrick. How about that? It just happens to be ironic that today's St. Patrick's Day. Okay. I'm just kidding. I like your green dress, by the way, Jane. I I hate to draw attention to you, but anyway. Anyway. Here's a couple things I want to share with you about the story of St. Patrick. Did you know that St. Patrick was not actually Irish? Wow. Yeah, he was born in Great Britain. And uh, he, what happened was, the story of him was he was kidnapped by pirates at the age of 16. And he was taken to Ireland where he served as a slave. St. Patrick was a slave. And during those years, he worked as a shepherd. And he was under harsh authority. And he was often left alone, hungry, and, and, and cold. He says it was during those years that God's presence became very real to him. And he began a close, intimate walk with the Lord. St. Patrick shared in his writings that he had prayed many prayers through the day and even into the night. He shared these words of his time in captivity. And his faith grew. What he said was, And the faith grew in me, and the spirit was roused, so that in a single day I have said as many as a hundred prayers. And in the night, nearly the same, so the while in the woods and on the mountain, even before dawn, I was roused to prayer. And he wrote a famous prayer, and many people recite it. I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. And God woke him up one night... And God spoke to him and he said, your way of escape is here. God gave him. He couldn't see it before that, but God woke him up and spoke to him. So St. Patrick walked 200 miles to a ship 
where he was able to secretly escape and get back to his homeland. Over time, as St. Patrick began to study God's word, he sensed God leading him back to Ireland to share Christ with the people. He shared in his writings of a dream which he heard the voice, the voice of the Irish begging him to come and to walk once more amongst them. He knew very well that this could mean certain death for him. For at that time, there was a barbaric pagan people in Ireland. But God instead blessed St. Patrick greatly as he went to Ireland and he taught and he served and he ministered to the people and revival broke out. It says that he baptized over 120,000 people. And he founded or started 300 churches. Not bad. It was said that Patrick found Ireland heathen and he left it Christian, resulting in Irish missionaries re-evangelizing Europe in later centuries. History recounts that because many of the people at that time were illiterate, they would memorize long passages of scripture, such as Psalms 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, and they would pass their, teacher, their teachings on to their children. History also tells us that St. Patrick used three-leaved clover to teach about the Trinity. The God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One thing we learned from studying this amazing person's life, it wasn't about leprechauns, four-leaf clovers, wearing green, or about luck. His life was simply about the amazing sovereignty and blessing of God and about obedience to his call and about prayer and faithfulness. What a cool story. Wow, what a powerful story. I know why we celebrate it now. We just don't do a good job of celebrating it. Yeah? The thing I learned from St. Patrick and I wanted to just kind of take a couple of things that were good takeaways. One is that walking close with Jesus because of your situation is critical. Sometimes we say walk with Jesus despite your situation or in the midst of your situation, but because of your situation, because of your circumstance, it's a good reason to walk close with Jesus. Because you are experiencing some type of difficulty, vice, imprisonment, it's a good reason to become intimate with Christ. Never let a season or a situation or something that you're going through or a circumstance come between you and God. Because of the struggle or the, entra the entrapment that you're in, instead, we need to draw near to Jesus. James 4, 8 says this, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. What it basically means is that no imprisonment should be able to get in between us and Jesus. In fact, every situation that we get into that's challenging ought to draw us closer to Jesus. As St. Patrick suffered a lot of harsh treatment, he was alone, he was dealing with elements, he drew near to God, he prayed fervently, he became close to God, he was ongoing in his time of prayer, and he developed an intimate relationship with God. As St. Patrick um, was a shepherd to sheep, he was learning to hear the voice of the good shepherd. In our place of imprisonment, we need to see it as an opportunity to grow closer to Jesus. You might be thinking, man, I've got this situation. I'm stuck in. I don't know how to get out of it. The first thing that we can learn from St. Patrick is start by getting close to Jesus and experiencing his presence. To get intimate with him so that you can hear his voice more clearly. To know his thoughts, experience his love, and his presence. Another thing that we learned from St. Patrick was this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness was critical 
for his release. Because even though he got away physically, he could have been trapped in a greater prison called unforgiveness and bitterment. He could have spent the rest of his life just in a place of bitterment. And he could have been unforgiving towards these people. They took away six years of my life. But instead he allowed the Lord to work on his heart. So that he not only experienced physical freedom, but experienced freedom for his soul. His forgiveness led to compassion and he began to see this void uh, of the Lord in these people's lives who had treated him so harshly. And so he went back to those who imprisoned them and he led many to the Lord. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness. Why? Because it imprisons us. Get rid of all rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice, but instead be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Even the person that put me in a prison, I should forgive them? Yeah. Otherwise, we remain in a place, in an imprisonment of unforgiveness in our heart. We never fully walk in the freedom that Christ has for us. It's both both physically as well as spiritually. Demonstrate compassion. Demonstrate grace. Forgive those who imprison us. And it's for our freedom. Sometimes we think, I'm not going to give them that blessing of forgiveness. It's not really for them anyway. It's for us. We need to receive freedom by forgiving others. Even if we walk free from our captives, but we remain bitter, guess what? Then they still got us, don't they? They still got us. And so, if we are not stuck in the stable, and I like, to, I like to think this way, maybe I got out of the stable, I was freed from the stable, but if I don't forgive, it's like they still got the bit in my mouth. I don't usually look at myself like a horse, but sometimes I do. Okay. St. Patrick, his life reminds us that we can trust God with our days. God is sovereign. Psalm 31:15 says, "My time, my times are in your hands." And we need to be reminded that God is in control. He's a sovereign God, and though we may be stuck, trapped in the paws of the hunter, God has plans for our release. I'm sure that there could have been times for St. Patrick, he didn't think there was a way out, but he rested in the presence and the sovereignty of God. God, you're in control. God, you, 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 know, uh, you know you have a plan for freedom. I just I don't see it yet. And it wasn't until one night that God woke him up and he gave him his plan for freedom. Our time is in God's hands. His plan, his authority, and his timing. And this is amazing that God still has purpose even in the darkest of days. We can also see that God brings about his purposes through our problems. He will bring purposes though, even though we are in dark times. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I guess what I'm saying this, you might be in a difficult situation and trapped and in prison, but you never know. God may have a redemptive plan to use this situation for good. He may have a way that he might use you as an instrument to serve somebody else. 
to help someone, to save others from a, a similar situation or circumstance. Wouldn't that be amazing that God could use your situation, your circumstance, your pain, your challenge as an opportunity to minister to somebody else? That's what happened to St. Patrick. And that could happen for us. We need to remember that God is always good. His plans are good. He is faithful and he is always about redeeming a situation for his purposes. So if you're stuck in a prison-like situation, we can always be assured that God's presence is always with us and his plans for us are always good. I want to invite the worship team to come up and as they do, I want to share this prayer of St. Patrick. This was his prayer. As I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me. The power of God uphold me. The wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me. The ear of God hear me. The word of God speak to me. May the hand of God protect me. The way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. The host of God save me. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lay down. Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. So today I don't want to just say happy St. Patrick's Day, but I want to say happy Freedom Day. This prayer that St. Patrick prayed, it tells me this, that he may have been in a physical freedom, but he was never in an emotional and spiritual place. Or he, was, he may have been in a, a physical imprisonment, but he was never in a spiritual and emotional imprisonment. He was free in his relationship with God. So we have, to rem- we have to remember that. We might be gripped, viced, something's got us, but we can still be free in our relationship with God in our current situation, in our current circumstance. So when Jesus stood up, and he had that scroll in his hand and he, he read it aloud. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled it up and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and everybody was looking at him. And he said this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so I want to declare freedom for any of you that would say, I'm in a place of captivity. If Jesus said, this is declared today in your hearing, I am here to fulfill that, I believe he's here to fulfill that today in you. Jesus said it, so we just need to receive it. So I want to pray for you if anybody here is in that place that we can receive freedom in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we don't have the key to our, to our prisons. We don't have the ability to break down some of the walls. 
that we have you. And it says in your words that you were sent to set the captives free. You were sent to release the prisoners from darkness. It's not your heart, Lord, for us to be in a place of bondage. Therefore, this cannot be your plan. So in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would set captives free today. God, we ask that you would set prisoners free today. And it says in your word that when you set us free, we are free indeed. And so we trust in you for setting us free in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, before um, we move on, I'm going to ask the ushers to move, come forward. It's, gonna, it's Communion Sunday uh, this morning, and so we're going to take communion together. And this is important for us to do, especially when we're talking about freedom, because it was Jesus' death on the cross that released us from captivity. And so as the ushers pass out, Uh, The elements, I'd like for us just to continue to consider our situation, the issue that we're going through, our personal entrapment, maybe our challenge, and trusting in the Lord to set us free. First Corinthians 11, it says, On the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in the remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. So would you take the bread and would you break it? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus was broken so that we would be made whole. We thank you that he took our place of entrapment, our place of imprisonment, so that we would be free and that we wouldn't have to be in a place of bondage. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of my new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And every time you think you drink it, remember me. Let's take the cup together. So we thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you spilled on our behalf, that our sins would be remembered no more, that we would be cleansed, that we would be forgiven, that we don't have to be in bondage of guilt and shame because of our past mistakes. But instead, God... Through Jesus, you have cleansed us, you have forgiven us, and you have set us free.